Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, to another exciting episode of the Hostile Takeover, the show here on the Fantastic Universes Network, where a guest and I talk about our favourite game, being the world of PC or tabletop, for all the things we love, hate, want to change, want to keep playing for, and everything in between. Uh, this is a particularly special episode, and the episode that you usually come back to the most, because in the world of uh, digital card games and even tabletop card games, the newest releases always get us card game nerds excited, and I cannot think of a better guest than the guest I've had before talking about the very same card game, and the man that has forged my love of card games alongside me together, my dear friend and uh, hostile takeover, co hostile atmosphere, our channel's co-founder, Will, my good pal, how are you today? I'm very good, yeah. Boy, do we love this game. <laughs> we really do, especially when they decide to fill us up with the cards that have been since missing from the Shurima expansion, but not only that, have decided to make more changes to the existing cards than they have released in new cards. There is much new newness to talk about here in Legends of Runeterraness. Uh, I'm certain the nice guys over at Twin Suns or Progress Day have talked about this subject to death, but we're going to do it anyway because there is a lot to talk about and I'm excited to just do it with a very dear friend. So, what do you make of all of the new stuff in Rise of the Underworlds? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. Um... It feels like quite a lot of new cards are quite complex, but I'm sure when we start to play with them, they'll sort of unravel a bit. But yeah, excited to see these join the meta. Yeah, there's a there is quite a bit of complexity here in some of these new cards. I was watching the as of the time of recording of this, the reveal for Echo, the new Piltover and Zorn champion, highly anticipated, has just dropped, and I watched it and went a teeny bit cross-eyed, just thinking, okay, but what? Because it is. Up there with Aphelios as being one of the most complicated champions just in terms of play pattern, or at least, or at least the video made him seem that way. But it's just, all you got to really know is that when he levels up, he makes a card that makes a card. And there's a, his signature spell is a card that makes a card. That's the only thing that's complicated. What could be more complicated than that? <laughs> but in all essence, we've got a lot of decent complexity stuff and a whole new subtype and then the only new keyword in the strange creatures that lurk beneath the sand and the seas into a lot of combo potential with uh, predicts and creating things in your deck. So yeah, there's quite a bit of welcome complexity here that I'm very happy to see. With all that said, we usually like to, on this show, when we're breaking down new cards, we like to start with the champions and their associated cards and then go into sort of the middling cards they put into each region as we go. How's that sound, pal? Yeah, sounds good. Let's have a look. Yeah, so are we talking about big sand bug monsters? Uh, shark, underwater shark, Batman, or time travel boy? <laughs> um, let's go under the sands, the shark monster. In order then, Rek'Sai, the queen of the Zersai, the strange sort of insectoid creatures that live under the sand in Shurimus, uh somewhat possessed and touched by the corruption of the Void, and the flagship finisher in the Lurk archetype, which would be a good chance to talk about the Lurk keyword. It's just, uh, it appears on a lot of creatures and some spells that uh, have the Lurker creature type. Uh, whenever the Lurkers attack, and whenever creatures attack, and there's a Lurker on top of your deck, all Lurkers everywhere get plus one attack power. What do you make of this spicy and strange fiddly keyword? It seems like a 
an extra thing. So you've got the lurk mechanic, and then this thing is like making it even better in a way. I really like it. Yeah, as Rexar goes, uh, it gives effectively when if Rexar is on the top of your deck with your attack with Rexar, and you have another lurker, your lurkers get plus two power, which is exactly what you want for Rexar to level up with, and another champion Pike to level up with. But we'll get to him in a in a minute. But sure enough, uh, when you've attacked. Uh, with Rexai being a 10 power or more than Rexai levels, but still, uh, just the Lurk mechanic and all, you have the strange sea monsters and the strange bug beasts. They're just continually growing power, and they're all fairly aggressively costed, so that you have a decent and very interesting aggro plan, which I think is quite a, you know, <coughs> quite a unique take. Yeah, the end round place me into your deck does seem annoying but i suppose it doesn't matter too much in this sort of deck so you can work around it yeah if you're able to either have multiple copies of rexai or a decent number of predicts to ensure that rexai comes back to the top fairly quickly or you build up your board of uh the fearsome hatchling lurker or zersai caller or some of the other cheap lurkers so that by the time rexai shows up they're at 10 power anyway you don't feel so bad yeah absolutely and of course, there's ways to cheat Rek'Sai into three power without having to do the ability continuously. Yeah, definitely. You can play a combination of other pump spells. I know in the preview video, they were playing it paired with Noxus for just stuff like Might and Elixir of Wrath. Uh, pump spells are definitely a friend if you want to ensure that Rek'Sai is going to be there at a decent spot. Yeah, I mean, the level up isn't awe-inspiring or anything. I'm quite happy with just Rek'Sai before it levels up, but, you know, it's still worth doing. Yeah, because when Rek'Sai levels up, you create three random lurkers in hand. It's very interesting to say it's not lurker followers, because there are a couple of spells that have lurk, and there is a potential, based on the way this is worded, you could make other Rek'Sai's or even some pikes. Oh, weird. Because technically speaking, it's yeah, cause it's uh, not lurker followers, because you can make lurker spells because uh, Call the Pack and a couple of other spells. Bloodbait also has Lurk, so you could make those as well, but most of the time you're probably just going to be making Lurker creatures, which again is decent. In an aggressive deck, you're probably going to want that refill, and effectively creating three cards is quite powerful, and Rek'Sai gaining Overwhelm and losing the downside of being shuffled in every at the end of every round is definitely also a good thing to strive for a level up for. Mm, definitely, yeah, yeah. Sure enough, when you pair Rek'Sai with some of the other good Shurima Lurkers, you get um, Zersai Hatchling, the 1-1-1 one, one, one Lurker with Fearsome, which is, I think, an auto-include in the Lurk decks, because you want to be getting the Lurk buffs as as soon as humanly possible, really. Mm. You... That seems like a really good one-cost card. Yep, because if it, I'd say if it didn't have the additional keyword of Fearsome, it wouldn't be so good, but uh, a 1-1-1 one, one one with Fearsome and Lurk can really add up to some good early aggression. The Zessai Caller being able to predict is also particularly good, just to get ensure that you put a Lurker back on top of your deck so that you get the Lurker attack trigger. Yeah, predict is going to be essential for this deck, so that's really good that that's tacked onto that creature. Yep, we've got a couple of other decent predict effects in the original set, stuff like Scrying Sands so that your uh, Fearsome Lurkers can get past. Um, they put in the Zero Mana, zero mana Feral Prescience, uh, Burst Speed Predict, just Zero Mana Predictor card to ensure that there's a good predictor on the top of the deck. And again, predicting is also particularly important for Echo, which we'll see in a little minute. 
And then it all culminates in Zerazeth the Undertitan, the epic lurker that if you if it has eight plus power, it gets fearsome, overwhelm, and spell shield for the round, which is like I it's double edged in a sort of way, but I think it's still a very powerful effect. How'd you say it's double edged then? Uh because you play it, then you pass back priority, so it doesn't get spell shield when it enters. So they're very able to kill it, and there will need to be a few hoops for you to jump through to get it up to 8 power, but then again, Lurkers, if they were playing effectively, should be able to get it to 8 power fairly effectively. And that's like the only real downside, really, is that the, uh, the payoff requires a bit of work, but once you do that, fair to get Fearsome and Overwhelm and Spell Shield means that it is going to be an effective beta. Mm. I mean, obviously it's going to go in a deck with Rek'Sai, but aren't there ways for to cheat it into attacking with some... I don't, I'm not sure if they're burst speed spells, but... Uh, there are ways where... There are really weird ways where if you're able to reduce its cost... If you're able to... Like, the way I'm thinking of it would only be out available out of, say, Freljord and or Ionia. If you're able to get it to zero mana, you can, like, put it into play at sort of burst speed, but I don't think there's quite a way to do it just yet which is a decent fairness to it but if you wanted to play it alongside Targon then you could just have a give it spell shield in other ways yeah I've seen a lot of cards which say give uh, this creature like a free attack or something like that so I was thinking maybe like that but uh, it would have to be on board first but uh, yeah if you're able to give it the free attack with say um, uh, Mark uh, Irelia's signature spell where it's you choose an ally and it attacks with the blades or Cataclysm out of Demacia they give it a free attack so there are ways to definitely do it I'm also potentially thinking about pairing um, the Lurk package with either Piltover and Zorn so that after you've done your attack you can play give it all the K-pop spell to give the rest of your team Fearsome Overwhelming Spell Shield or you play it with Targon for the, for the other, other K-pop k-pop spell um out of the way so that those buffs become permanent i mean oh yeah no i was thinking maybe you could give everything lurk but that would have to be everything in the deck as well so that wouldn't work interesting yeah. though there's a there's no current way to give things lurk but uh, a very powerful keyword does have ways to be able to graft it onto other creatures if thanks to the set but we'll get to that when we come to the singular cards but yeah i'm very interested in seeing how the creepy creatures from under the sands go because there are a couple of other shurima cards sort of revealed uh the time has come which is a burst speed way to make two little clock robots which i like if you pair it with uh professor von yip the four drop from piltover who gives one cost guys plus two plus two if you're able to play that in a von yip sort of deck with other poros that could be fun yeah yeah that's all right then i like that yeah, that could be a lot of fun. That might be worth uh, tinkering with mid-season once I've got myself to a respectable ranking. Yeah, the new card from Shurima is uh, Sifting Sands, but uh, that's not particularly amazing. It's a little overcosted for a little too less damage. Now we can go from the Sands to the Seas for the next champion, and the one that I'm probably the most excited for out of this set, and someone I'm lovingly referring to as Underwater Sea Shark Batman, and that is, of course, Pike. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen you very excited for this card. Oh, I just liked him for flavor reasons, and for those of you who've been listening to my antics, I review quite a few Batman-flavored things on 
uh, Dark Knight news and DC Comics news, so I've got a lot of Batman in my life. So any sort of similar vigilante analog is someone I take very seriously. But as a card, this this dude's a this dude's an Irelia Azirkiller. This dude is a removal machine. I can't quite grasp how cool this card is. Mm. If handled right, he is very cool, very powerful, I think. Yes, indeed. Uh, four mana, two, three is fairly wimpy. Quick attack is a step towards greatness. Lurk, if you're able to build around the good build water lurkers and possibly pair it with Rek'Sai or the other Shirima lurkers, you can def- definitely get his attack stat up there. Um, but his main sort of takeaway is that while he, while he lurks, he turns into a kill spell, Death from Below. Uh, sure enough, a spell that has lurk, so it buffs buffs your other lurker creatures. And the crazy thing about the actual Death from Below card is the only way to interact with it is either to remove the guy that you want to punch or to deny it. Because you can't do anything to interact with the pike because the pike's not on board when the spell until the spell resolves. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Literally jumps out the water and gets you. <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly the flavor behind it, and that's exactly what he does in League of Legends, and that's exactly what he did to those pirates in the uh, animation cinematic. Because, yeah, you can't hmm. you can't vengeance him. He's not on the board yet. You can't frostbite him. You can't... You, best you could do would be to try and protect your own guy with a barrier or a spell shield, or deny the death from below. Otherwise, Pike's going to come down and punch. I've got to say, he pairs very nicely with Rek'Sai as well. As he would, the I was very interested to see how they were going to sort of bring together Bilgewater and Shurima because whenever they bring out a new region, they usually try to find mechanics or design space where both uh, mechanics love uh, meet together. Piltover and Noxus both like discarding cards for extra damage and extra value. Uh, Shurima and Shadow Oils both like sacrificing their own guys for value. Um, Yord and Shadow Isles have a lot of the good healing effects and a lot of the good uh, board stalls and board wipes. I was w- very interested to see how Bilgewater and Shurima were going to come together because there are some regions like Shurima and Targon which don't really sort of match up and there's stuff like Targon and Noxus which has a little bit of trouble. They like pump spells but they don't have a good deck around it except for maybe like Tarek Riven. But the Lurkers... Flavor-wise, makes total sense. Bilgewater has the strange sea monsters out off the coast. Shirima has the dune-like sand monsters there under the desert. Yeah, literally seas and sands. Yeah, works Seasons. so well. Yep, that's probably what I'm going to end up naming the deck when I build it uh, first thing tomorrow, which is going to be very exciting. But uh, yeah, if you're able to pair the good Shirima Lurk cards with... The good Bilgewater alert cards, you can get Pike's power up very quickly so that when he's dealt 15 damage, and that's all of your Pike, so that's damage dealt by him attacking and him with the Death from Below spell, then he levels up to become the most insane repeat removal machine I've ever seen. Oh, it's so fun. It's really fun, because I just keep thinking back to the the, the promo video of him just punching Jarvan and then just board wiping the rest of that Demacia board state. Because when I kill an enemy, I strike the weakest enemy. But that keeps chaining. Mm. That keeps chaining. That makes me want to attempt to build Pike outside of Shurima as well. Yeah. It's just such a nice mechanic to take advantage of, really. Yep. Because with the extra... When he kills an uh, enemy, you want to be able to pair him with 
maybe Noxus for Whirling Death so that he can punch something on attacks or with Demacia for stuff like single combat and concerted strike and even strafing strike. He becomes like the new Fiora in a way because you let him punch once and then that's your your opponent's board just gone. Ah, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's something I'm probably going to try. I'll probably, though, to be honest, I'm probably going to try first with him in a Shadow Isles control shell with Kindred because Kindred really appreciates him just like striking down a bunch of other guys so that you get the slays off to, to grow your Kindred. Yeah, thematically they seem very similar as well, just in what they do. Yep, the hunters with big teeth stalking the knight. Yeah. <laughs> and and I like as we all know with champions, when you have another copy of the same champion in hand, they turn into a signature spell. I wanna actually make a note of this because not a lot of people are talking about this. It is it is the first time in the history of the game that we've seen the signature spell before we ever got to see the champion because in the last expansion when Irelia, Malphite and Zillion came out we got given a Bone Skewer as one of the two Build Water cards and now we see Bone Skewer as Pike's signature spell. We've never seen that before. We've never had the signature spell come in before the champion so I thought that was a nice and noteworthy bit of history there. <laughs> That's cool. Very cool indeed. But sure enough with Bilgewater we've also received quite a few interesting synergy cards and quite a few good lurkers i feel like the uh the one mana one two sharkling and the redfin hammer snout are both cards you're gonna pay pair with uh pike every single time yeah they seem like also includes yeah yep because the two mana one to give a guy vulnerable is exactly what you want with a big high attack quick attacker like pike you can give something vulnerable and then have pike punch it on attacks just very nice synergy there at the same time, I keep looking at Sharkling and I think back to when I showed Sandy, my loving girlfriend and friend of the channels, when I showed her the art for that big toothy more, all she kept going was going, yeah! <laughs> oh, I can't even see that now. <laughs> you know full well that that's exactly the noise that that little shark is making. Well, not little, but, you know, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, with all those teeth, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, if we're going to talk about teeth, we also should probably talk about the Yawlfish, the 8-mana 2-7 lurker in Bilgewater. Okay. Yep, so if you're able, as long as you're able to just pump up it and the rest of your lurks with lurk attack triggers, uh, this guy comes down fairly late and feels like the second coming of Riptide Rex in, as fish in a board, state, board wipe as it could be. Especially if you've also got Pike out, because then Pike can just finish off whatever else doesn't get killed by this trigger. I mean, that would just be overkill, but yeah. <laughs> it would, but uh, then that's just uh, us making sure our opponent sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> nice. Uh, in a small personal gripe of flavour, I'm a little sad that they don't also count as sea monsters, because we all know Nautilus could do with a few more sea monsters, but I'm willing to look over it because it puts our uh, Pike's archetype on the map. Yeah, yeah, I agree. More sea monsters is always good, but yeah. Yeah, that's why I was so excited to see um the the scarab in the last expansion because it's good because it's a shadow wild sea monster that makes Mal uh, Malkai good for turbo mill. Mm. Yeah, and then lastly, a good card I want to talk about in Bilgewater. I'm looking at Mobilistics right now for this. Where is it? Where's this crazy stupid card? Here we go. The list. Zero ah, mana. Yeah, here it is. Yep, here it is. Zero mana. Give a 
grant an enemy vulnerable. If it already has vulnerables, uh, the strongest ally starts a free attack challenging it. I feel like that's so insane. Okay, walk me through your play then, your ideal play here. Uh, let's see. Um, we're attacking on evens. Turn two, you make a reasonable guy. They play a reasonable, a reasonable threat. You play the red fin hammer snout to give that particular guy vulnerable. Uh, you attack in with pike on the top of your deck so that those little sea monsters and gubbins get their lurk abilities. The opponent maybe blocks, maybe doesn't. You get some decent damage in. Turn three, they make another guy. Turn four, you play your pike on, say, three or four power. You then have, which would probably also put him as the strongest compared to the other two sharks right here. Then you have pike challenge in against the thing you made vulnerable with the list. Pike punches in, gives lurk to everybody else, then you attack him with the rest of your team, Pike potentially levels. Yeah, that seems pretty good actually. You need quite a lot of ways to give enemies vulnerable in that deck, that's the only thing. Well, not necessarily, because if you're playing it with Shirima, you're playing it with Rek'Sai, then you get all of the good vulnerable effects with the Renekton package. You get Exhaust, and you get uh, uh, Merciless... uh, yeah, you get Merciless Hunter and you get Ruthless Predator. Because Ruthless Predator is also particularly good because that's a spell that gives your guy extra power and their guy vulnerable, which is another way to add to Pike's level up. Yeah, that seems pretty good, especially for Zero. Yes, indeed. I have a, I've, I have very high hopes for this in Pike decks just to be able to get some extra attack damage off with your Pike. And it's perfect, actually, because on flavor, that's his jagged... Bone skewer sticking into the list of all the people he wants to get re- get revenged against. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice indeed. Actually, now that we were looking through this, I do want to talk about one more card because the power implications on this card is insane, and that's line them up, line them up into knock them down. Very insane card, technically. Yeah, yeah, that's quite nice actually, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yep, it's noteworthy because we've never had a burst speed keg maker before. Kegs have always been either on a slow spell or on other units like Gangplank or Dreadbray Deckhand. Yeah, I'd half expect the knock them down to be fleeting, but it's not even that, which no, is, it is quite nice. No, it is. The little hourglass is fleeting. Oh, is it? Oh, there we go. <laughs> but honestly, that's okay, because you're incentivized to play something like this anyway. In a heavy spellslinger deck in the mid-game, you have extra mana knocking about anyway, and I'm just very interested in Bilgewater Piltover burn decks for this, because... All of a sudden, you just upgrade your Mystic Shots and your Static Shocks and your Get Excited so quickly. And it's great with Get Excited because you have the Knock'em Down as a free thing to discard. It's also good because it's two spells in one, which goes towards your Fizz level up and for your Wiggly Burble Fish to cost less mana. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. I, f- I feel like the old shells of Twisted Fate Fizz, the thing that used to be king of the metagame before we even knew what Shurima looked like, I feel like that deck may get a teensy bit of a resurgence thanks to this card. Mm. Really? Interesting. I That is my hot take. That is my hot take of the, of the episode. I sincerely hope that I'm mistaken, but I feel like at the very least it'll come back into the higher tiers of the metagame again because... That deck was always very fun and very interesting. I enjoyed playing with it, and I even enjoyed playing against it, even though I knew it was absolutely oppressive. (laughs) It was a problem. It really was. But it's been tempered now with a lot of key nerfs. 
So I think another good toolboxy card like this could put it into at least contention. I'm very interested in it. And now we go to Martown, the land of the Kempunks, Piltover and Zorn, to talk about Time Boy Echo. I have never been so bamboozled in the complicated design of a champion since Aphelios, man. Yeah, this took me a little bit of reading to understand what on earth he's on about. <laughs> yeah, uh, 4 mana 4-2 with quick attack. Already the stat line is making me cry, but that's only because he's an incredibly powerful champion. So you do need to balance him some way or other. Uh, otherwise, if you are able to level him, he is an immense value engine. And I'm very interested to try and tinker with him. Just getting that time trick. Whew. Yeah. Time trick is a great combo card and a great control card. Two mana burst, predict, then draw one. As long-standing Magic players, you and I, and uh, two friends who both appreciate the pauper format, uh, predict, then draw one really reminds me of Preordain. Preordain's banded modern. Because the rate on certain cards Brilliant. in Runeterra is a little bit higher, sure. So two mana for effectively look at uh, fix your draw than draw. That's a much higher rate, but still to be able to do it at burst speed and to have a decent choice into what you want to draw into and draw into every single time is very powerful. Yeah, I just feel like with two, he's just going to die every time. Oh yeah, to be perfectly honest, I don't. I think he's at least in terms of how I'm going to play him, or at least try to play him, he's going to be in the, unless he is very safe in the matchup, don't play him until he's leveled. Because he's because his level up is, you've predicted five plus times. He doesn't have to be on board to see you predict. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's noteworthy. Yep. So if you're able to put in some of the good Piltover predict cards like Perfectionist, Time Trick, and... Unfortunately, for the efficiency of it, you're going to have to pair him with Shirima because I thought there would be more Piltover predictors, but you're going to need to pair him with Shirima for Feral Prescience, Shifting Sands, Scrying Sands, the new card, Careful Preparation, just to ensure that you can predict ahead of him coming down on turn four, or just like a few few turns after. But still... Mm. Um, once you've predicted those five times, then you're able to do that because once he's leveled... You create the three chrono breaks in your deck, and chrono break is an immense card. And I'm I'm with Mogwai on this one. I was very interested to see how they were going to put the time bender, time distortion sort of aesthetic into this card and into this card game. And I think they've done it very well. Yeah, I remember watching a video of him um, just beating up this guy, and every time he'd get like hit, he'd rewind and then try his attack again. So that card really works with his theme i suppose yeah i remember that exact video as well he's honestly one of my favorite characters in the entire league of legends sort of lore just because he's a he's a genius intellect but he doesn't look it i love the sort of playing with conventions types of characters so yeah the way they were able to mm. figure his time shifting sort of deal would have been very important and his ability to like go back in time to when all when him and his friends were all right and then get the chance to attack again is exactly how that would figure which I think is really good. His signature spell, the Called Shot, uh, is not amazing until you look at what the parallel convergence is, because two mana draw, one, at slow, is fairly bad. But parallel convergence is you start a free attack with an ephemeral copy of all your team. So if you have a full board, you're just suddenly attacking with your entire team with your attack token up, potentially. That's mad. <laughs> That's really mad. You know what's more mad? If you do it like in the video, where you don't have a full board, 
but then you chrono break to get those guys back, possibly even without ephemeral, and then go in again? Uh, what? <laughs> no, no, let's say it's a, this is magical Christmas land where you have seven mana uh, and you can parallel convergence to copy your team, your team attacks in, your team trades off with some of their team, that's okay. Then you chrono break to get back all of those guys that you got off of the parallel convergence onto your bench and then rally so that you get the other attack. That seems so greedy, but so cool. I love it. That's just you sort of twisting time to your own ends. I think that's perfectly on flavor for the character. I love it. I love it a lot. You can really see some very strong combo potential there. And if you're able to pull off a lot of the good predict value sort of from Shurima as well, you can definitely get to it, especially with Von Yip, the Fallen Feline, and the uh, Excite Crystal there as a value f as value for your predictions as well. I suppose he pairs quite well with um, Card Draw Guy as well. In a weird way. Oh, Zillion, the Time Wizard. Or Twisted Fate. Yeah, Twisted Fate, sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah, because with... Actually, yeah, the, to be honest, Time Trick is another card that potentially makes um, Twisted Fate Fizz come back from the dead, because two mana fix your perfect draw draw it, that's one out of nine for your Twisted Fate level up. It just works for a lot of decks, I think, but it, it is fiddly. You do need to really think about the deck to play him. Yeah, it's a tricky one that will take a lot of fine-tuning, but that's something I'm more than willing to do. I don't call myself the Isaac Tinkerer for nothing. <laughs> so the other particularly noteworthy and strange Piltover and Zorn cards I want to sort of mention is Timewinder, because Static Shock is a staple with Ezreal, but is it better to be four mana but lets you draw a card, or is it better to be two mana but you have to discard a card? Uh... <laughs> it's a tricky one. I think it'll take a bit of tweaking and evaluation, and I think um, we'll need to see how it pairs in certain discard decks like Jinx Draven or Ezreal Draven, but uh, the state of those decks are in heavy contention when we get to the balance changes, because they've made a lot of tweaks to the wider world of Runeterra. The other card I want to talk about just for a hot second is a card I'm certain you appreciate for meme reasons, and that's the cow. The cow! <laughs> Volunteer Elmuck. Volunteer Elmuck, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the least interesting tribal deck, if I'm honest. Let me let me give you a history lesson on Legends of Runeterra. This was, hap this was happening before we got into the game. Um, in Freljord, you know there are those two other Elnuk cards, Bull Elnuk and Troop of Elnuks? Uh, Troop of Elnux was nerfed. It, or it originally used to say top 10 cards. When you pair that with Piltover and Zorn with cards like Jury Rig, Jury Parade Electro Rig, and um, Counterfeit Copies, there would be times on turn 5 where you could just fill up with cows from your play trigger. Before build fill up with cows. <laughs> you could literally fill up your... You could go from having no guys on your side on turn to having a board full of cows. Do you think this card is going to bring the cows home? Uh, well, we can talk about it until the cows come home, that's for sure, but in all honesty, before Bilgewater came out and before you and I started playing this game, that was the metagame. I kid you not, wow. cows, the Freljord Piltover cow control mirror, with Ezreal <laughs> as, another, as another finisher just with your other kill spells, was the metagame. It really was. <laughs> 
Cow control. <laughs> cow control was a legit thing back when back when Legend of Runeterra started, and it could come back with this. I doubt it, but I feel like at the very least it's a solid meme deck. Yeah, that's that's an incredible meme, and I love it. And I'm excited to at the very least try it and lose, but I'll lose with cows. So with that said, we have come to the middling all over the place sort of cards. There's two cards at least for each other region. Uh, where do we want to travel to first, friend? I'll leave it to you this time. Where do you want to go? Uh, I'm going to actually choose to go to your home, because as you were talking about with the weirdest tribal deck ever, uh, we've got representatives from the other two tribes appearing in the Freljord, Abominable Guardian and Fabled Poro, which is making Yetis and Poros look particularly spicy. Oh, I love Fabled Poro so much. Grandpa Poro, or is it Thor Poro? Uh, I was thinking more like Dwarven Forge Poro, but yeah, 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 yeah that's all. He is a Forge Dwarf Poro, isn't he? But still, a four-mana Poro that gives all Poros on board, it's not Poros everywhere, but all Poros on board a random keyword, including himself, that's worth noting, I think could be particularly mm. spicy. I think you have a board full of Poros, you drop him, and then you drop um, Heart of the Floof, and just make a giant floof with all the keywords. That is the that is the dream. That is exactly what we aim to do with Poros. You pair him with uh, Piltover and Zorn to get those elusive Poros guaranteed, and yep, you are off to the fluffy races. Get Sleeve up your brooms, kids. <laughs> That's something you're going to try, I feel like it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was never in debate. <laughs> oh good. Believe in the fluff. But if we're going to talk yeah. about... We're talking about endearing fluff here. Now let's talk to the aggressive fluff in Abominable Guardian. Uh, I honestly really love this Yeti. The lack of keywords aside, I'm very interested in this card. Yeah, so does the uh, start round ability trigger the play ability, or is those two separate? Sadly, no. Play is out of hand. It's like a when I'm cast in magic as opposed to when it enters the battlefield. The term four, okay. and if you have the attack token, you can suddenly just go in with your two abominable yetis and your yeti yearling. This guy just falls out of your hand. Open attack. Yeah, that seems pretty sweet. I'm just trying to remember the no, that's not call of the wild. It's oh yeah, it's tall tales. I'm trying to remember the wording on tall tales. Yeah, three mana slow spell. If you have a yeti, summon an enraged yeti. So actually, wait, whoa, you could have this guy out on your side turn three. Get me out here. Uh. Uh, yeah, Yeti Yearling is a one mana one two Yeti that when it dies you shuffle two enraged Yetis into your deck. So you play the little Yeti turn one. No, you can't. You need a full spell mana. Dang it! But still, you could have a, <laughs> you can have a free five five without passing priority, open attacking very early. So you actually have some payoffs into playing Yetis, which I think is very exciting. Yeah, I always like additions to tribal decks. So that's very welcome. Yeah, Tribal Dexter was sort of where you started in card games, so it's good to see that sort of making its way back, which is why I think you might be quite interested in Lurk, because it's almost a, a Tribal support deck. Yeah, I'm definitely going to build it for sure. Nice. be very interested to see what you brew up with it. So I chose a Freljord friend. Where are we turning to next? 
Oh, I've got to go. I've got to look at the bringer of ruin. Oh. Oh, we're we going to. Oh, we're we going to Noxus, are we? Yeah, we're going to Noxus. Yeah, Azakan, bringer of ruin, ten mana, five twelve with overwhelm. What? That's those stats suck. <laughs> Attack, increase my power by the total power of all allies. Okay, so at the very least, if you have just him on board, he counts himself, so he's a 10-12. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't even realise that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the flaw. At minimum, if you get to keep him, he's a 10-12. At best, you're able to, like, grow him by the state of whatever the rest of your board is. That is a spicy meatball. I remember when the last set came out, you and I looked at a 10-mana epic creature and thought, nah, this card's trash. Boy, how wrong were we? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm personally going to play Atacan whenever I can. because oh. going to play Atacan whenever you Atacan. Uh, <laughs> yes. But in all seriousness, no, I can see this being really good in a Noxus, Shadow Isles, Controly aggro deck with decent interaction in the early game. Decent ways to build up your board state to be able to go turn eight spectral matron pull this out of your hand with ephemeral. Oh, yeah, that'd be good as well. Yeah, that's the way that the Demacia versions are playing. Um, big Big Mama Sithria. Hmm. Okay. That's the way they're playing Big Mama Sithria, and that's the way I think you can reliably play this man. And that's a way that I would at least try to play this man. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if, if he didn't see play. I, I can see him in a few decks. Yep, it'll be a scary Noxus top end. Probably not better than Captain Farron, but at least one you have to consider alongside Captain Farron. And he's definitely strong enough to play alongside Spectral Matron. Yeah. Or if I know you, you're going to do dumb Freljord things and try to ramp or Dominating Raw to make him free. <laughs> or do Oh no. Yeah, what, am I onto you? Yeah, you're onto me. <laughs> or you could do Targon's peak things to make him free on turn five. Changing strategy. <laughs> yeah, because if you because you either have him in your hand or you have a Relion Solf on your hand. You're making a 10 drop on turn six one way or another. Yeah. That seems decent. Seems pretty good indeed. Sure. Uh so we've just uh the other no the other card coming from Noxus is Thorn Blade, a four mana burst spell that gives an ally plus five plus so. Uh, it's a good way to enable reputation for free, but if you want to play Noxus Pump Spells, why would you play this over Elixir of Wrath? Or uh, Might? Yeah, it kind of seems like more of the same. It's just nice, but yeah. Yeah, it's nice, it's just not amazing. I agree. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? 
What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. In a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image. There is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream, and behind every geek is a real story. My dad was the one who got me into Star Wars and things. Join me, your super dummy Paul, as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people. I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English. Hear their stories exclusively on fantastic universes. He's one of them like, you've ever gonna grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life, I, I enjoy what I do, this is my hobby. Available on all your favorite podcast catchers. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher.
now let's go to the region that I love to have problems with. I used to love it aesthetically, and then Aurelia came out, and now Ionia can die in Noxian fire. Um, but now I think that with some balance changes, Aurelia Azir has lost its footing. It's probably still going to be a very strong deck, but we'll have to consider it, because especially now that there's a few other very spicy things that is making Ionia great again for the reasons that I love Ionia. But we'll circle back to that. First we'll start, I'll just very quickly say Defiant Dance, the 4-mana bouncer guy, Blade Dance 1. It's not great, it's not something that Irelia Azir would ever reasonably play, so we'll just sort of nod at it, but move on to be perfectly honest. Yeah, agreed. The card I do want to talk about is Sacred Protector, Sh uh, Shen's uh, primary Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, that's just a, a Shen deck auto-include, I think. Potentially, yeah. I feel like uh, Swain decks always play the Leviathan. Um, some number of Sejuani decks have played one of the Tusk Raider eventually. I like this. Because in the good Shen deck right now, Shen Jarvan, which is just like a barrier mid-range, Screeching Dragons will eat your stuff, my guys will always have barrier, and then at turn 9 I'm just going to slam down Bright Steel Formation and you'll cry. The thing that carries you between turn 7 to turn 9 before your Bright Steel Formation can come down would probably be just some kill spells, but now you've got this option right here. I'm very interested in at least trying this as a two-of in Shen Jarvan, and I personally hate Shen, Shen Jarvan. I, it's a deck that I find so annoying. But this card gives it another edge that I didn't think it needed. Yeah, be interesting to see if people play it or if it's just a bit of a greedy play. Yeah, I've, had, I've heard people either say this will turbocharge the deck or it's absolute trash. We'll see which one it is. <laughs> Have we looked at Demacia? Oh, snap, we haven't looked at Demacia yet either. Yeah, let's go to Demacia, shall we? Because... Uh... We've got one card that's quite good, and we've got one card that's very good. Uh, we'll start with the quite good card, in my opinion, which is the unit, the Swiftwing Flight. Yeah, it just seems like a um, a champion for challenger decks, really, doesn't it? In its own way, yeah, it kind of is. Um, four mana, three two with challenger with the elite key, uh, the elite creature type, which is good for getting buffed by Battlesmith. You make Silverwing, Vanguard, Blinding Assault, or Fleet Feather Tracker in hand, and all three of those cards are actually excellent and all worth making in addition to this. So that on its own is just great. Uh, so Silverwing, Vanguard being the 2-2-1 Challenger Burbs, Blinding Assault being the spell that makes you Valor the Challenger Scout Burb, and Fleet Feather Tracker being the 2-1 Scout Burb, the Burb that gets Scout. So that on its own is amazing to me. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of value when you look at it all in one, but... It would have to be in a challenger shell, I feel. Yep, in a challenger elite deck. But then again, you've got enough stuff for that. When you then compare it to the give other challenging allies plus one plus one, that buffs its that buffs everything that the card otherwise makes with its uh, playability. But it's also worth noting that this will. But it says challenging allies. Well, the way it's worded, if you put one of your regular guys into drag in something with vulnerable, that will get the plus one plus one from this as well. Hmm, okay. So I think this provides a lot of value for a aggressive and challenge -y sort of deck, but still, it's got a lot of value to it, and I'm very excited to see just if Challenger could sort of work with it, because even if you were really against against the curve with this, you could pair this with Fiora so that she's a little bit more resilient, and if you want to be really meme, you can pair this with Braum. Oh yeah! 
pairs with Braum and pairs with Thresh. And pairs with Renekton because <laughs> he likes to give things vulnerable. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that quite as well. But the thing I'm much more excited about is field promotion. Ooh. Yeah. We have not had an effect that grants Scout before. Uh, when the Felios came out, we had an effect that granted regeneration, but we've never had anything that grants Scout before. So this is a unique effect that honestly could draw in a lot of play for things that should otherwise not reasonably really have Scout. So yeah, uh, the elite effect is neither here nor there, but giving something that shouldn't really have Scout because it's a crazy attack trigger is very funny. Yeah, you want to put it on lots of things that like attacking lots, and that is gonna, that's gonna be really powerful, isn't it? It will be really powerful, especially considering some of the suggestions that people have wanted to put this on. You're gonna love this. The first people, the first cards you want to try and give Scout to, are Zoe and Timo. <gasps> oh, I do love it. I knew you'd love oh. it. I knew you'd love it. Imagine giving Timo Scout. Doing it. Of course you're doing, doing it. it. Of course you're doing it. It's a, <laughs> it's a common. It's only a hundred shards, man. Do it. I, I triple, quadruple dare you. God, it's such a meme. I love it. Yeah, because then you because you have Demacia, you have all of the random barrier effects like uh, pris, um, prismatic barrier and uh, repost to protect Timo. You have chain vest to give Timo tough. You have the you have the same Piltover package with all of your Mushrooms and Hexcore Foundry, but then you also have the good fight spells from Demacia and all the punch spells from Demacia. So, yeah, you can very reasonably do some very silly things with Demacia Teemo giving Teemo Scout. I think this card is officially the first card I'm going to get out of all of these cards, because that is just... You could do so many things with this card, jeez. It's not even the champions, not any of the big epics. The thing that gives Teemo Scout but not just Teemo, you could slap this on anything. You could oh. put it on Braum, you could... <sighs> Options are limitless. Options are truly limitless. It's very exciting, I agree. I, I wholly expect and look forward to a Demacia Teemo deck with him getting Scout from you. I really want to see that go up on our channel as soon as you're able to jam some games with it. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing. So we are wrapping up with the land of the spooky and the land of the stars, uh, Targon and Shadow Isles. Where do you fancy first? Your turn. Um, one of the Shadow Isles cards are strange to me. I love the flavor of them, but I don't think they're very good. Twisted Tree Line and Astral Fox. Yeah, uh, Twisted Twisted Tree Line. I'm just not interested in at all, if I'm honest. It's because it would come down on turn three in a fearsome deck, in a deck where fearsomes matters, they're very aggressive. So I don't think they want to take their turn, their three mana off to cast this. And once it's seen three fearsomes attack, so it needs to be on board to see those three fearsomes attack, which is probably going to happen the turn of or the turn after you play it. Which means when you get the Vilemore, and noting Vilemore is a six six spider with fearsome, it's a decent payoff. But once you get those three fearsomes to attack, pop this, create the Vilemore, the Vilemore's just going to be sitting on the bench like a chump and not able to attack. <laughs> Sup. <laughs> Sup. I am here now. Go forth, other spiders. You're doing a great job. It literally just <laughs> makes me think of the the, so the soccer mom just like there at a kid's school play just holding up the phone just being like, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> Spider soccer mom. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of Elisa, except she's a little bit more milfy. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. But let's talk about a card that's slightly better, but also probably not great, and that's Astral Fox. Yeah, it... <sighs> multiple size. <laughs> yeah, multiple size. Four mana, three, three, Fism. That's okay. That's acceptable. Kill an ally for an effect. Yeah, that's good. Kill an ally to deal three to the enemy's face. Okay, that's pretty good. Oh, it's a skill. So that means that you, uh, the opponent can either counter this or interact with the thing that they want to kill, which makes the overall effectiveness of the skill a lot tougher. Because stuff like Doom Beast, any skill or effect that affects the enemy nexus has to be fast speed so that your opponent gets a chance to respond so they don't die. That's why people get really pissy about Ezreal decks. But, um... Yeah, the... Yeah, also just the ability itself, like, kill an ally, yeah, fine, if it's giving me something, but three damage to enemy nexus, I'm like, eh. Yeah, it's, 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 it's costly for, like, a middling sort of payout. I, I want it to be better than it is, but it's a thing that's happened. Mm. Yeah. Wrapping up the new cards, we go to Targon, we get two spells, and this is where I just think that the design is just got a bit lost and decided to just make some memes. Yeah, I kind of see what you mean there, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Heavens Aligned first, which is slightly less meme. Um, for those, for in case you don't know, uh, recently in the story to help celebrate Pride Month, which we're coming to the end of, they made it officially canon that Leona and Diana were a couple back when they first started out in their religion. Oh, that's cute. Which is really cute. And that's how they were intended. That's how they were designed back when the Champions first came out. But the Exit story decided to can that, but they've officially made that back into canon, which I love as a raging gay myself. But um, <laughs> I feel like this card sort of symbolizes that. But as a card, to daybreak to create a non-champion nightfall, or to nightfall create a non-champion daybreak, I'm not sure what kind of decks would want to play this. Yeah, also, what, what's with the focus? What, what, what do? Our focus is uh, gem speed. It's like you can play it when the stacks, you can play it on your turn without passing over priority, but um, you can't play it outside of your turn. You can't play it outside of your priority and you can't do it during combat. You know, like gems or like Riven's Blades. Oh, right. Yeah, that's focus speed. Mm. Um, yeah, so you can basically play it and then play the card you just made with it, effectively. So like if you played it as your Daybreak card, and then Nightfalled it to play the Nightfall card you made. I think that's the best application for it. But then again, I think there are also better ways to enable Nightfall. Yeah, it's it's kind of like trying to make a creative card to sort of... I don't know. Feels like a half-baked scheme or something. <laughs> Potentially. I feel like there's a lot of good corner cases where this card could be pretty good. And I know that since it's got Daybreak and Nightfall on it, if you played it as your Nightfall card, but with Raven Daylight Spear on it, Spear out on board, the Daybreak will trigger because it's always day when he's out, and the Nightfall will trigger because it's your second card, so it'll be one mana, create two cards. That effect is actually pretty good. That has me interested. Yeah, yeah that, absolutely. Yeah, that's the same interaction with um, Eclipse Dragon, because if you play Eclipse Dragon as your second card with Raven out, you make two Celestials, and those Celestials... You make a Celestial and a Dragon, and those Celestials and Dragons become cheaper because you get the Daybreak and the Nightfall effect. So that I can see in some versions of Nightfall. I can maybe see it as a Nightfall enabler, but I don't love it. But we'll see if it finds its place here or there. Now we'll talk about the actual meme card in Starlight Epiphany. 
Hooray! I love meme cards. <laughs> it is it's such essentially a highly meme card. I can testify to that. Yeah. Um, three mana burst invoke. That's fine. That's all good. Decks don't play Behold the Infinite, but this de decks will some cards will play this. Sure. If you have a celestial ally, replace your deck with twenty Behold the Infinite. You know what I would love is that if I like if you played this with Shirima. And then you play to predict card after it, and you just see there are three Behold the Infinites there for you, and you're just like, gee, which one do I take? Is it like a weird way to uh, trigger um, Deep or something? Or uh, I mean, maybe, because after five draws you'll go Deep, which is funny, but then again you've also just turned all of your sea monsters into more Behold the Infinites. Yeah... I don't... It's too meme. My it's, mind cannot comprehend. It's too meme. Mind cannot comprehend is a great way to sum it up, but that will sum up our journey looking at all of the new cards. So, big takeaways and standouts that you that have tickled your fancy. Oh, okay. Um, field promotion, yes, please. <laughs> Rex, I really love. Um, the Poro meme, gonna get straight away. And Pike, I love. So I can count on you playing uh, Timo Scout and Lurkers in the new season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Ataka. Can't forget him. That's a can of Tarkin's a magic card. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tarkin. <laughs> yeah. Easy mistake to make a high fantasy long convoluted names are a thing. But yeah, even with all of these new cards, uh, Riot have decided to treat us by ch making more balance changes today than any other balance change in the history of the game. And hot diggity dang, as someone who plays this game every day, these changes were so needed, including some of the changes that I didn't expect. Uh, did you get a chance to look at these, or are you going to go into these fresh? I'm going to go into these fresh. Scare me as a new player. Okay, sure. We're going to go through each card at fairly lightning speed. It goes champions, then uh, spells, followers, and landmarks in a fairly random order. So we're just going to go blitz through this at high speed. Uh, champions. Uh, Misfortune has Overwhelm again. Okay. This was a yeah. yeah, this was a nerf they did a couple of patches ago because uh, scouts were a very scary deck. They're not scary anymore because Azir Aurelia resists. I'm glad that she's back to where she should be. All hail Pirate Queen. Uh, Jarvan. Um, he only needs to survive... Allies only need to survive three strikes from enemy blockers for him to level up. He's officially easier to level up. Interesting. I support this. It's going to make Shen Jarvan a very scary deck, especially with the Shen boat if they want to play Shen's big Pokemon. Uh, we shall see what time I'll tell. Now we go on to Freljord. Trindamir. His level 2 form is a 9-9 with Overwhelm, Fearsome, and Tough. That's, this is back how he was when he was first printed. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah, I feel like this might make him just another good threat in uh, Targon's peak decks, and maybe even fill the Rush decks, if uh, Lissandra Trundle can control stops being the main flavour of control, which I feel like it probably won't be, but there might be a chance for other control decks to show up, because that scary, dumb card has been justifiably tweaked i'll show you in a minute but first a card change that has made me so happy and has made people so scared karma is five mana again yes i love karma karma's so good but also so busted and the fact that she's five mana now is so insane because that means you have one extra mana to do dumb things on the turn you play her after she's leveled not that's, that's gonna be powerful though not as much as you might think i'll explain that when it gets around to some of the spell changes but then again, one of the other spell changes also makes my heart sing with joy. 
Another thing that makes my heart sing with joy is that Irelia now requires 14 allies to attack for her to level up, not 12. Yeah, kind of needed. Kind of needed. Um, her, her friend in arms has also received a nerf, which we'll see in a minute. But yeah, anything to cut the legs out from under this deck, I welcome. It's too good. You've seen me lose to it on the channel. It's just, screw this deck. Screw this deck. Now, Riven is the only champion change to Noxus. I read the full article. They said they wanted to make a change to each, ch to make to make a buff rather, to each champion in each region. I personally don't see this as a buff. Riven now says that uh, instead of when you gain the attack token Reforge, she now says when I'm summoned, if you have the attack token Reforge. It's worse, isn't that it? That is worse. That's way worse because she's getting you a uh, 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 blade fragment every other turn. That's amazing. That goes towards her level up. Now you have to jump through all of the extra hoops of playing the other Reforge cards. She's not a value engine in herself anymore. So I'm wondering, is this the actual upgrade they thought it would be? Because Irelia still has the when I'm summoned or round star if you have the attack token, make the flawless duet. I don't know why they couldn't have put that text onto Riven, because that makes total sense. But mm, they, seems weird. they missed a mark here. But I can forgive it when I look at the next buff. They give Heimerdinger plus one plus one. I'm it's your boy. <laughs> it's my boy. It's my inventing mad scientist boy. Uh, at level 5 is a 2-4, and at level uh, level 1 is a 2-4, and at level 2 is a 3-5. I will take him being less squishy any day of the week. He's one of the best value engines in the game and deserves to see more play. Fight me IRL. I was just going to say, jumping from 3 to 4 toughness is quite big, so yeah. Yep. And jumping from three, uh, jumping from two to three power on level up means he can block fearsomes now, which is always a benchmark for a quality of a card. Yeah, true. Uh, something I think you'll find quite exciting: Hecarim's a five-six now that becomes a six-seven. Hooray! Level up. You're, yes, happy about this. I'm sure you would be. Your uh, your ephemeral centaur boy is even more strong. I've heard commentators on Twitter say that the first thing they want to do with Echo is actually pay Echo Hecarim. Because Echo's spells that make your ephemeral team copying attacking really works well with Hecarim. Oh yeah, that's true. Something to consider potentially, which I find quite exciting. Speaking of ephemerals, Ezia now needs you to summon 13 allies to level him up. Yeah, that seems like quite a hit. Ooh. That is a hit. Um, still something the deck can very easily do, but that's going to be an extra turn or two to slow them down. Which I quite like. Any, like I said, anything to cut the legs out from under that deck is going to be very welcome. Uh, similarly, his br his ascended brother, uh, Nasus, no longer has Fearsome at level 1, but has Fearsome at level 2 and level 3. Yeah? It's a side it's a side grade. I don't love it either. Yeah, I, it just seems like they've moved things around a bit. It doesn't change it a whole lot for me. Yeah, the, the deck that made him scary alongside Thresh has had received other buffs here, has received other nerfs, rather, here or there. We'll get to those in due time. But to provide the consistent theme of buffs to champions and Shirima, Sivir now needs you to do 30 damage for her to level up, which I love. That's good, yeah. And to Leah, this buff is amazing. This buff should have happened like three weeks ago, instead of when they give her plus one, plus one. Uh, before, she used to do six damage before combat damage. If you had a landmark, now she just does that damage. Oh, okay which I really like. I think that's really good. You don't need the landmark for her to do that full throw another rock, three, two, then two, then two. She just does two, two, and two, whether or not you have a landmark, which I think is amazing. Yeah, that seems good. 
Uh, they've made Tarek a 3-5, and then levels up into a 4-6, which I quite like. Makes a bit more sense, I suppose, with what he does. Yep. And the one I really love, they've made a Felios a 3-3 again. They've made a Felios a 3-3 again that levels up into a 4-4 again. I mean, like, I don't know if he's playable again, because his moon weapons are all still 3-mana. But I've said on a video that I could keep Aurelia Azir as it is if they give me a Felios back. They didn't... I would have been fine with him being a 3-2 with 2-mana moon weapons. But at the very least, I'm going to try and put together some of the older Felios control shells, because I have missed this card so much. So much. I think it's more reasonable to change his stat line than the, the moon weapons, but yeah, yeah. Cool. And now we come on to the followers, spells, and landmarks. Uh, make it rains two mana again. Yeah. Which is for, a, for that. Yeah. Yep. Which is a nice power buff. Black market merchants are two two, so he's a little bit less squishy while he's there making the stuff you nab cheaper. Yeah. Cool. Uh, double up has gone down to five mana, which is a random uh, kill spell from Bilgewater, which saw no play before, which we'll probably see on, still see no play. But it's nice that they they buffed it. Just a minor templating thing on Slotbot. They haven't really changed much about it, so we'll not really talk about it too much. The thing I am interested in is that they've made Confront 2-mana, a burst speed Demacia spell that grants something Challenger. I feel that like seems this, quite good, yeah. I feel like this makes it actually quite playable. I may try this in uh, Karma Lux control decks. Uh, Mage Seeker Inciter is a 4-4 now. That's pretty good for the big spells held over Demacia decks. Um, Laurent Bladekeeper is a 3-3 now, just a good buff, a buff which is probably just going to have more effect in Expedition than it would do in uh, Constructed. The thing I want to talk about though is Howling Abyss is now 6 mana, the free champion ARAM bridge. That seems really nice, I like that. I like that a lot, that'll be a fun control tool to sort of tinker with. Ren's Shadow Blades are 4-3 now instead of a 3-3, it didn't see much play before, hopefully this might put it into some competitive availability. Dancing Droplet, this is the thing I want to talk about though. Dancing Droplet is a. used to be the Gooburb with Elusive and a tune. Now it's got Elusive, it doesn't have a tune anymore. It's not effectively free, which is an amazing nerf towards Ozero earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of see that to be fair. Yeah. Uh, Greenglade Lookout, a staple in good Ionia Expedition decks, is now a 2 2 rather than a 2 1. Means that he can actually attack in a lot more consistently to make your expensive units cheaper. I really like this buff. I hope it actually puts him into some play somewhere. Uh, Young Witch, the elusive witch that gives a supported ally plus one plus one quick, is now a one-two, which I love. I'm so sick of her dying to vile feasts. Yeah, this is my favourite change so far I've seen, actually. Of Young Witch? Yeah, yeah, gonna, I love playing Young Witch. If you're going to like that, you're going to love this because I know you love your Piltover Ionia control decks. Will of Ionia is four mana again. Yay! <laughs> I am so happy when it when they pushed it to five mana. I I I I was I was sad. I was genuinely heartbroken. The fact that this is four mana again puts Ezreal Karma back on the map. It's not crazy. It's not crazy like it used to be because of a change that I'm going to show you in a minute. But the fact that this is four mana again, it also gives us counterplay against Azir Aurelia. Thresh Nasus. Honestly, this is a such a such a great reverse buff. I'm so happy. This is an interesting buff. Twin Disciplines, the thing that gives us something plus three plus O plus or plus O plus three. That's two mana now. Yeah. I used to play that card a lot in Teemo, so that's interesting actually. Yeah, to be able to play two mana to give Teemo plus O plus three for the round so that he can survive better removal is definitely something I'm sure you'll be excited to see. Uh, a couple of noxious changes, incisive transition. Uh the kernels uh now are five five instead of a four five. 
and City Breaker, the Ballista uh, thing that deals a damage to the Nexus at the start of the round is now a 1-5 instead of a 0-5. Jemadard is a 5-5 now, not a 4-4, a good combo card that you play alongside Gems, but I don't think he'll shift his playability. Uh, Mid and Stoke Champion, a really weird combo card that clones itself whenever a Nexus strikes, is now a 5-4 instead of a 5-3, which is hopefully going to bring it into some level of playability because it's seen zero play ever. The big change, which is... Th which These changes were justified, but they still made me sad. Rummage is two mana now. Yeah, that makes me sad. Yeah, that oh. makes me really sad. This, like, newt... This doesn't neuter, but it really hampers Jinx Draven and Ezreal Draven. I'm just like, whoa, this is a yeah. huge change. It's still very playable. It's still good with Twisted Fate. Still good in those decks, but it's an extra t moment of pause where you have to really think about when you're going to have the mana to justify playing this. So this is a nerf that kind of hurts me. But a nerf that really hurts me is that now Tribeam and Probulator is five mana. <laughs> yeah, this I cry every time at the sight of this. Um, it's because it's just got a staple status in the Ezreal Draven deck that it needs to be like slowed down a peg or two, which I get. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I play this card a lot, and it responded to a lot of my really cheeky wins in uh, the seasonal tournaments. But uh, seeing it at five mana makes me sad. But then again, I look at the next nerf, and I get happy again. <laughs> oh, snap, I didn't even see that part of the nerf. <gasps> oh, hell yeah. The Watcher, um, Lissandra's Pokemon, instead of it going to zero after you've played four eight costs and straight up nuking the opponent's deck... It goes to zero mana when you've summoned five eight costs, and it nukes all but three of the opponent's deck. Uh, really? Uh. Was that necessary? I mean, yes, it was oppressive. You didn't get around to playing with the deck. That's why I liked it. <laughs> Dude, that's why I liked it. But I also recognise when things are a problem. This deck was a problem. Mm. I mean, it's still an amazing win condition. It really is. Oh, it's still very good. Yeah. 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 And it will really have to make them think about it because there are times when you level up a no level up a Maokai and your opponent auto-concedes. This is the same effect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a buff that I think is particularly spicy is Raza the Sunderer. Used to be a big finisher back before Bilgewater showed up. Uh, is now an 8-6 as opposed to a 7-5. Very cool. Yep. Uh, Dusk Ride is a small power change not worth talking about. Escaped Abomination has gone from a 4-3 to a 4-2. This is the second nerf this card has seen, and I cry every time. Yeah, but I kind of understand why, to be fair. But then again, when you look at the next nerf, I cry even harder. Stalking Shadows is now 3 mana. Wow. <laughs> My card draw! Bye. Bye. <laughs> but then again, uh, Turbo Thralls with uh, Lissandra and Talia, the other way you can play uh, Lissandra, has great, got a great upgrade. The Clock Hand, the thing that turbocharges the countdowns, it's now a 7-7, seven, seven, as opposed to when it was a 4-7. That's a big change. That's a huge change. That makes this actually a respectable finisher in that deck alongside all your Thralls. I really like this. I've tried testing mm. with Turbo Thralls in the past, and I could never sort of, like, grok with it as a deck. Now I really want to try it again, because it's got some actual play in the late game, other than just trying to, like, turbo level your um, your Frozen Thralls. Uh, Raz Bloodmains a 7-7, seven, seven, which is going to be a great finisher for Shurima Shadow Isles Fearsome. Um, a big change. Dunekeeper is now a 1-2 as opposed to a 2-1. Uh, okay, that seems a bit odd to me, but alright. This was a change that Mogwai predicted, which I now have to give him a small ripple of applause to for calling it, but then again, 
when you're on the pl when you're attacking first and you play a Dune Keeper, this massively amounts to a turn one deal four to the enemy nexus, a turn one decimate. Yeah. Yes. All so, right. Yeah, so a turn one get excited to face is something I think is much more reasonable. Mountain Sojourners, uh, some of Tarek's buddies have gone up from a 2-5 to a 4-5, which makes the support deck look really good now. Yeah, I think that was needed, which is good. Yep, uh, Sun Guardian, the 6-mana 4-4, four, four, uh, if you daybreak it, is a 6-mana 8-8 eight, eight with Overwhelm, which I think is potentially spicy. I like that, I always forget to <laughs> activate daybreak on that. Yep, and now some uh, some uh, Targon changes that make me cry like a tiny child, Star Shaping. Now only heals four, not heals five. Oh, man. The Snake, the Celestial Serpent, is now a 1-1, one, one, not a 2-1. No, they nerfed my Snake. They nerfed Snake, and the one that makes me really cry, the Fangs, is a 2-2, two, two, not a 3-2 with Lifesteal. Oh. Ouch. Yeah, they had hit staple status, so they were very strong, but hot damn to these nerfs. These nerfs make sense, but I'm still sad. Those last three. Yes, yeah, those last three were brutal. But then again, I suppose that sticking power is the thing they really needed to target Targon over. But still, it hurts me. But but I can see why they did it. And there's been enough buffs to Targon in the form of Aphelios, Tarek, and Mountain Sojourners that made me think there's enough play to Targon that I could still get behind. So, in all, the balance changes that they've been able to put in have been immense. That's some, a lot of changes there, definitely. 47 changes, the most number of changes in a single patch in the history of the entire game. Yeah, I'm thinking the meta's going to have a big upheaval after this. Yep, with new cards and all of these changes, the meta's going to be unrecognisable. The strong decks, uh, Azir Aurelia, Lissandra Trundle, Thresh Nessus, they're all still there. I don't see them going anywhere, but I feel like there's been enough power injected in the new cards and in some of the changes to the other cards where there's going to be a lot of stuff going to be vying for the top spot of the metagame within the first couple of weeks, and I'm very excited to see what sticks. Yeah, same. With all that said, you're particularly confident. So, actually, yeah, we've looked at these balance changes now. Uh, is there anything in these changes that makes you want to brew or tweak things, or are you still committed to Asakan something, Scout Teemo, and Lurkers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll always try and force my Ephemeral deck, but yeah, apart from that. Ephemeral? How about you? What's standing out for you? Uh, I'm very excited to play with Aphelios again. I'm very excited to mm -hmm. play with a buff Heimerdinger. I'm very excited to try and give uh, Turbo Thralls another shake with buff Talia and bluff Clockhand. Um, I, I am absolutely desperate to play Ezreal Karma again, even with the Rummage nerf, because they used to play Rummage a lot in that deck. But then again... By the time you get to the late game where you've leveled up Ezreal and leveled up Karma, two mana and one mana is fairly negligible. Because when you have a Karma on board, Rummage is discard two, draw four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, true. Yeah, so that nerf is something I'm fine with. I'm also quite interested to play Lux Karma with the new Confront, uh, the new Twin Disciplines, and the buffed Will of Ionia. Honestly, it's like Kid at Christmas. I'm Hell, I might even play some... Uh, Targon's Peak with the new Trindomir could do just about anything do it <laughs> and I think I will but yeah that is going to cover our sum up of the new balance changes and the new cards in Legends of Runeterra uh, Will our dear listeners can find you playing games with little old me on 
I'll channel the hostile atmosphere, isn't that right, pal? Absolutely, yeah. And we're always looking into new games, so do check us out there. Yes, um, I want to say a big thank you to us testing out uh, Overcooked uh, the other night. I'm very excited to be some chaotic little chefs coming to the channel very soon. Mm, definitely. Yeah, we're always on the prowl for new games and new content to bring to you guys, so do check us out on the hostile atmosphere on YouTube. As for me, you can find me writing about various PC and tabletop gaming on fantasticuniverses.com, reviewing multiple different games on .gg.gg. Nice and confusing title there. And you can find me uh, leveling up your Dungeons & Dragons experience on the Apotheosis Studios blog. But thank you for listening to us covering the changes to Legends of Runeterra. Hopefully this new metagame will be something we can all be hostile over and jamming our games with the best we can. But thanks for listening, and until next time, live free and play well. Imagination outside the line, all standing, waiting. Heroes, villains, angels, Satan's. Oh my goodness gracious! Worth it to see the hotel star spaces. We made it. The date is eventually here. End of the convention. Here, three cheers! Stories, panels, stalls, stands, skits Professor Elemental's on about six Of course at every con there's a couple of dicks That's not real steam Shut up, yes it is Every other person makes it better Every volunteer all holds it together Yes! You finally found your tribe Yes! Every type all here inside We're all equal, we're all worthy I don't know why they all have a go at furries If you want to dress up as a giant rabbit And have relations with a man squirrel That is none of my business